Welcome, welcome, welcome to a brand new episode of the Spiraling Podcast. I think it's episode 21 now. I am your host, Jackson Wallace. And with me, we got a little bit of a shakeup, a little bit of a shakeup for you guys today. Jason, not feeling so hot. He's sitting this one out. Election night last night. He was up super, super late. Me too. I'm running on fumes, to be honest with you. But instead, we have a longtime guest, Chelsea. So Chelsea Castillo, she's going to be filling in, and she's going to be uh, my co-host today. Hey, Chelsea, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Still tired from last night, but I'm good. I think everybody is. I think we're all kind of running on fumes a little bit, but we're, we're excited to have our guest here nonetheless. So guys, we have a brand new guest. Usually with our guests, is somebody that Jason knows. Somebody that I know, you know, a mutual friend that we, we we pulled from and talked to. But this time, this is some somebody brand new. We haven't talked to him before. Uh, so this is, and forgive me if I completely butcher your name, man. Reed Messerschmidt. That's that's good. Okay, yeah. okay, we're we're getting mm-hmm. there. We're getting there. Yeah. Uh, so so Reed, uh, he's coming on. He uh, he makes the irrationally exuberant podcast. Uh, welcome, Reed. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, hanging in there. Yeah, do it all trying right. To, try, trying to control my anxiety, but things are looking good. Things are looking up right now. Yeah, we're, we're, we're looking up. Uh, definitely uh, wasn't uh, the same results I woke up to as last night. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see. You know, and you know, uh, for those of you guys, you know, I, I we try not to get too much into political beliefs on the show. I, you know, everybody has their own. Uh, I, you know, hope that you guys all went out and voted. I think that's super important. Um, yeah, kind of leave it. Uh, at that, but Reed, we're super excited to have you on the show, man. Uh, welcome. We uh, thank you for thank you for having me. I just want to note that I hope only some of you voted. Gotcha. <laughs> I, I I'm not quite as uh, diplomatic as you are. Hey, you know what? That's all right. That's all right. We, 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 need, we need a little fire on the show sometimes. I love it. I love. Oh, yeah, it. I'm feel, feeling it today. You're feeling it. Good, good, good. So we'll we'll see. As of right now, the time recording, guys, just kind of speaking of the election, there's still still some states that are kind of tossing up in the air right now. So we don't know who won just yet. I'm sure by the time this episode does come out, you guys will know. So you can sit in the background and make fun of us all you Yeah, want. right, right, right. <laughs> this probably probably isn't going to age well. This probably is not going to age well. So we'll, <laughs> we'll just we'll roll with it. We'll roll with it and see where we're at. But uh, Reed, man, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, we were talking in the pre-show a little bit. Um, uh, met you on a Facebook group called uh, Podcast Guest Connections. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think that's really cool. Uh, actually, Jason uh, uh, sent me that group. He's like, hey, join this. It looks really cool. And so I said, okay, let's do it. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm curious, how did you, like, find that group? Um, did somebody refer it to you or? I, you I, I think action? I just... I just searched podcast in mm-hmm. Facebook at some point and just became a member of every podcast group I could. Yeah. And um, yeah, that one's good. Um, it's actually super helpful, <laughs> unlike a lot of them. Um, I've, I've, I've gotten on a lot of shows that way. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. It seems to be really active, you know? Um, yeah. It's like, I see a lot of people re- replying to, you know, someone will say, hey, I got a podcast about X or a podcast about Y. And next thing I know, there's seven or eight people, at least in every single comment thread saying, hey, I know about this or that. And 
I just think that's really, really cool. Guys, speaking of Facebook pages, if you go to facebook.com slash Spiraling Ministries, go ahead and give us a like. We really would appreciate it. Uh, you can find, actually, we're we'll, uh, going to be uploading some podcast clips to there, uh, to the Facebook page. So, well, shout out to Facebook right there. But, uh, Reed, man, uh, thanks for coming on the show again. So, I guess, uh, you know, this is an opportunity that we said before. Uh, you have a story. And yeah. we, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to, what we want to try and do with this platform is just, um, you know, even as limited as it may be, is just give people an opportunity to tell their story. You know, we talk a lot about uh, pretty, uh, you know, topics that aren't talked about a whole lot. Right. Uh, you know, addiction, um, uh, sobriety, alcoholism, uh, that type of stuff. So I'm curious, uh, before we kind of get deep dive into, you know, your your actual story, maybe uh, tell us and the listeners a little bit about yourself. Who is Reed? Yeah, I live uh, in Fargo, North Dakota. Um, I had. Yeah, it's uh, uh, uh-huh. It's North Dakota. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm married. I have two kids. One of them is nine months old and one just turned five. Oh, and wow. they, they are delightful. Um, and I make a podcast uh, called The Irrationally Exuberant, which is like a scripted absurdist comedy yeah. exploration of history, pop culture, and whatever I feel like writing about. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to go in and, and, and check that out. So you say you, you, you script it out. What's kind of that process like f- uh, f- for that process? How long does it take? Do, do you write the scripts yourself? Do you have somebody else help you? Or? No, yeah, it's it's all me. Um, wow. I You know, I just find something that I am interested in and I research it until there's nothing left of it. Yeah. Um, I still like, you know, I like to suck all the joy out of a thing by uh, <laughs> learning every angle about yeah. it. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, once I know everything about it, I, I just do whatever I want with it. <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty loose with the facts. Um, sure. Kind of the point the the initial impetus of the show was that, um, you know, a lot of this stuff, a lot of like history, a lot of pop culture stuff it's fun to learn about but it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. um like in terms of your day-to-day life sure um <laughs> right so um like i was reading all of these uh kind of novelized history books like eric larson does a lot of really okay. fun books to read um but he he adds these details and you're like there's no way that you knew that there's no like it's like you just had a chicken sandwich and uh you know you're like eh, i'm not sure that's on record the sandwich right um, like how could you know that he had a chicken sandwich right right so it's just uh, you know i just i i i mold the the truth to fit uh to you know make myself laugh basically i got um, you <laughs> very cool yeah um yeah it's it's fun i like it it's it seems like the ideal um platform for what i want to get across um but yeah i script out these uh, scripts they're like 40 pages long usually wow and um, then I record them do w- dumb voices and okay cool you know. so you bring in the voice acting <laughs> as well that uh, you are layering all of this together and I'm finding myself ever so more intrigued to go check yeah. this out yeah I, I, you know I think there's always 
I think it's really cool. Like, you know, it, it, the, you know, the podcast platform just in general is just so fascinating to me, you know, because you got, you know, you got podcasts when you think about traditional podcasts. You know, mm-hmm. you get a guy or, you know, a, a you know, person, they bring on somebody else, a guest, they interview, they talk about, you know, kind of what's going on with, you know, in their life or hot topics. And but like just to kind of see the podcast world expand to scripted podcasts to uh, like, you know, crime TV, like mini docuseries almost to right. like just, you know, like musical theater and podcast form. Like it's mm-hmm. you see everything out there. And I'm, I've really been pleased with how the podcast world has kind of popped and boomed over the past couple of years. Um, and, you know, that this is one where I didn't expect to uh uh, to hear this, there's a podcast out like this, but it makes me happy because uh, you know the, you never know what's out there, man, and that's really cool. So there's something yeah. out there for everybody, right? You know, I've, it's, the great thing about podcasting is there aren't any rules. You don't have to go through anybody to get your thing out into the world. And yeah. you know, I, I really try to take advantage of that. And there, are, it's it's uh, I, I would say it's mostly called the weird. I think weird is probably the word that most gets. Um, attributed to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little weird, a little quirky. That's fine. Uh, it's, it's pretty quirky. It, it, it's, it's pretty pretty quirky, pretty cool, but that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, any, any type of humor, any type of light we could put out into the world, I think mm-hmm. is fantastic. You make it anybody else laugh, just make their day just a little bit better. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned you got a family. That's awesome. I, I do, yeah. Yeah, got a, got a wife and two kids. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, do you mind if I ask how, how you met your wife? No, I don't at all. Um, She was a friend of my younger brother's. Okay. um, And we met through him and almost dated like many years ago. Um, But I was a mess, which I'll talk about. Yeah. And um, she was just getting out of like a live in relationship and it just it didn't work. Right. uh, out at all. I mean, we didn't even start, which I'm thankful for because I would have ruined it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then we met a couple years later and um, yeah, fell in love, got married. Very cool. Very cool. And yeah, you said you had two kids, right? Uh, Nine months and five. Wow. Five. Yeah. Yeah. So you were, uh, (laughs) you were up most nights. I would imagine. Most, most nights, yeah. Yeah, and the five-year-old has an ear infection, so um, I'm not getting any sleep anyway. Oh, yeah. That's rough, man. That's rough. Well, the, yep. very, very cool. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear, uh, you know, you got, you got your family. I think that's a great thing. Um, I think we go ahead, uh, feel comfortable. Let's go ahead and get kind of, you know, into the meat and potatoes, into your story a little bit. Let's do it. Uh, so, yeah, so I guess walk me kind of through the beginning. Tell, yeah. us, tell us about your story, man. Well, I, here's how you start these stories. Say, hello, my name is Reed, and I'm an alcoholic. Um, yeah, um, I am an alcoholic. Um, I've been sober just about seven years now, coming up on seven years. Congratulations. Yes, it feels it feels great. Sobriety is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Um, you know, right next to my wife and kids, but they wouldn't have been possible without sobriety. So, um Yeah, I mean, I started drinking, I think, like uh, most or a lot of teenagers do. Um, Just in high school, like, uh, you know, pouring a little bit of everything my parents had into a thermos um, of just this, like, barely drinkable 
witch's brew of <laughs> it just makes me shiver even thinking about it you know like i i mean i i remember almost exactly what would go into it like peach schnapps rum whiskey vodka and gin <laughs> oh my gosh that's a quite the combination yeah oh yeah uh, yeah don't do it don't don't do it kids um and you know, I I was mostly a pot smoker, honestly, in high school. I, I smoked a lot of pot. Yeah. Um. And um, but eventually, realized that pot was sort of counter counterproductive to what I wanted out of a substance. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm I'm an introvert by nature, even though I can obviously talk a lot. Um, I, I prefer to be alone a lot of times. Um. <laughs> And, you know, alcohol is kind of it helps you be social and outgoing. Um, and I liked that about it. Pot inverted me like completely like I was just sit in a corner and think about, you know, think about things. Uh, so eventually um, I started drinking more and I live in North Dakota, one of the uh, binge drinking capitals of the world. Mm-hmm. That is not said with any pride. It's just true. Uh, we, uh, everybody here drinks like Windsor Ooh. whiskey, which mm-hmm. is um, bad. And um, everybody drinks a lot of it. So, like, me and my friends would literally, you know, we'd sit around a table, four or five of us, we'd get a bottle, like a 175 bottle of Windsor. And we'd have one shot glass and we'd just sit around a table and pass the shot glass until the bottle was gone. That was like how we spent nights a lot of the time. Oh, wow. Um, which, yeah, for uh, a group of friends that were already fairly compulsive and, um, you know, were naturally exhibited addict behaviors and personalities, um, that kind of drinking really, I think kind of uh, hits that genetic trigger um, sure. that exists in some people. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of my friends have had problems with this too. Um, and eventually that just turned into drinking by myself. I mean, it just escalated. Um, it, and, you know, as I got later in my 20s and, you know, there were blackouts and uh, my, you know, I, I I was having really bad anxiety, really bad depression, drinking that away. And that is its own um, horrible cycle. You know, the the drinking cures the depression and anxiety for a little bit, but it kind of dams it up. And all that anxiety builds up behind your your alcohol dam. (laughs) And and when uh, the alcohol wears off, it just kind of floods and is worse than ever. Yeah, Um, overwhelms you. Right. Um, So that became a real problem um yeah it was a problem i I was uh an alcoholic i wasn't saying i was an alcoholic i don't think many alcoholics do at first probably um i mean what i did is i think what a lot of people like me do is I, i said i was a writer even though i wasn't writing anything i wanted to be writing but i was mostly just drinking but if you say you're a writer then the alcoholism um starts to look a little romantic i guess you know yeah almost like it contributes to the arts gets you right get, gets right. you kind of in the frame of mind to write the things that you want to write 
Yeah, there are so many guys you can latch on to with that state of mind, right? Like, I mean, you got Bukowski, you've got Hemingway, you've got uh, Kerouac. <laughs> it's just an we can go list. To, we can go down the list, yeah. Of these, yeah, crazy, like, self-destructive dudes that also had some good work. Um, but, but the thing about those guys and the thing about everybody, I think, is that those guys were pretty brilliant to begin with and probably would have done better work had they not, you know, been killing themselves the entire time. Maybe, maybe. Right. Yeah. Also, some of them are very overrated. Um, and I, I think the one benefit to like an artistic person of being an addict, isn't that the substance makes you more creative. It's that the substance tends to make you miserable and it's really easy to make art about your own personal misery like i think that's the easiest thing to make art about Interesting. why everybody does it right yeah that's an that's an interesting take we're, we're, we're coming up with hot takes right here on the show <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah i've been thinking about this a lot because i've just been writing an episode about alcoholism um, so yeah i think it's mostly just that it makes you uh miserable and then you, you got a lot of material to, to pull from based on that um, there are like exceptions like Hunter S. Thompson seemed to be a pretty uh, cheerful addict um, but even he ended up shooting himself so well, you know what do you the end result's always the same mm-hmm. anyway and end of tangent <laughs> we we just we just hit a real low on the podcast. Right? <laughs> we're, try, we're, we're gonna try yeah. to bring it back. <laughs> It'll bring it. Uh, yeah, I mean it's about to get a little worse. But, I, under- uh, I understand, man. I'm just I'm just pull, yanking your chain. <laughs> so I met my wife uh, for the second time, like I mm-hmm. said, and uh, things got a little better for a while. She's a very responsible person. Uh, she's a CPA, which is like the opposite well, yeah. of what I am. Um. And I think I, you know, I, I like told her I loved her on like our second date and um, took her a little while longer, but um, we were married after like a year and we bought a house right before we got married. And once we were in the house, I, I started telling myself like I was going to be, this was like a victory lap. Like I'd, I'd pulled myself out of this like alcoholic spiral I was in and I'd won. You know, I defeated it, even though I was still drinking a lot. Um, so I started drinking more than ever, like partying, man, you know, like uh, celebration time. Yeah, celebration time. I I made it. I did it. I thought I was going to die through all of my 20s. I just assumed at some point I was going to die because um, I was drinking so much. Um, but I didn't. And there I was. So I decided to drink more and, uh, it made the anxiety worse. And then I saw a psychiatrist and I got on Zoloft, mm-hmm. which, um, Zoloft is great. I still take it. It's wonderful. Um, but, uh, it turns out, uh, you're not supposed to take Zoloft and drink massive amounts of vodka at the same time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Turns you know, would have thought. Would have thought. I, I would. I wouldn't have thought. A million years. Yeah. So I, that made me like insanely manic for yeah. about four months. I was just I didn't. I didn't stop talking, and uh, I was making bad choices, and it was about to ruin my new marriage. You know, and in the first three months of it. Uh, 
she was not having fun and I kept insisting that I was having fun. I said that a lot. I'm having fun. <laughs> Which usually means you're not. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and then one night I told her that I was going to prove that I could just like drink like a normal person. Um and I had made a drink and then I made another drink and I ended up like falling asleep on the couch while we're watching a movie. And then I was like, I'm going to bed. And she was already super angry at me, understandably so. And I fell down the stairs. I got to the top Oof. step and I fell backwards down the stairs. Oh, man. Um, it, it, yeah. Um, and barely remembered it in the morning. And that was pretty close to the final straw uh you know uh i'm not sure i would call that exactly bottoming out but it you know close enough were you injured at all from that fall uh i I was pretty bruised um but nothing serious well that's good that's yeah yeah very very thankful for that right drunks tend to be good fallers I, i found they have a little little bounce yeah you got a little elasticity or something um and then I, you know, I told her I was going to quit drinking and then I was secretly drinking a little bit. And at some point she said, you know, I'm not crying anymore. And that's a bad sign for you. And that got me. And I started to think about what things would be like if I had to go back to the way I had been living. And that was not appealing. Um, so I, I quit. Um, I didn't go to any treatment or anything i just cold turkey did um which probably i wouldn't advise but it worked and now it's seven years later and life is good wow okay so so when you say okay you, i know you, you emphasize you were drinking really heavily but how, like can you quantify that how much were you drinking just on an average day at that time well, I, I was only drinking on the weekends. Okay. Um, I had a job that I, you know, was fairly successfully um, performing, I guess. Um, but so it was mostly on the weekends. But I mean, I could go, I could drink a, you know, if I put my mind to it, I could probably drink a liter of vodka on a on a weekend. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah it is a lot. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so your wife said she, you know, she said, uh, you know, uh, not crying anymore. It's a, it's a, it's a bad sign for you. That really got you. Really got you to go uh, cold turkey, which is, uh, and, and Chelsea, maybe you can help me out here with this, with, some, with, um, with um, maybe some of your past experiences, some of your friends too. Um, that doesn't tend to just happen, right? Just go cold turkey, like that's yeah, that's pretty amazing. Well, and it's, it's, you know, it depends on the substance for sure. Like being in, being in the rooms for the last 10 years and, you know, seeing the different substances and the different, um, ways, you know, in in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it talks about the different types of ways that we kind of try and convince ourselves that there's another way, you know, uh, whether it's changing the drink, um, changing the days of drinking, changing, you know, trying to change these different variables, um, you know, and, and going cold Turkey is, you know, for watching what my clients went through and, and knowing what I went through, it's kind of at first just wanting to prove something to yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and it's almost like a pride thing, which us alcoholics have a lot of pride, 
um, mm-hmm. and a lot of ego, um, whether you're sober or not. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a tough ordeal doing cold turkey. It's also really dangerous. Um, you can actually die from withdrawals of alcohol and benzos. So, you know, detox protocols and things like that, you know, there's a medical application that that becomes, you know, looked upon on those withdrawals and things like that. So, I mean, it's dangerous and it's very difficult to do for sure. That's, yeah. that's a good, a great point. I, I mean, I think because I wasn't drinking every day, mm-hmm. um, that I didn't have the dependency so much. Um, but yeah, be careful. I mean, definitely. For sure. For sure. And, and get guidance. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, put yourself in an environment where you can be monitored. Definitely don't try and do it on your own. Uh, if you do decide to, you know, I've met a lot of, of clients that, you know, were coming into treatment facilities fourth time trying to get sober, but the rest have been, you know, I'm going to sweat it out at home. And, you know, I've watched people seize up and, you know, how to be medically trained as far as detox protocols and things like that. So it, like I said, alcohol and benzos are the only ones that, that you can actually die from. Now, opiate withdrawals, you feel like you want to die. Um, and I can speak on personal experience on that one, but, um, but yeah, just, you know, always make sure that there's a medical um, help in some capacity in that process for sure. Yeah, definitely want to have the the medical guidance, especially if you're going through a you know detox program or uh, keep able to keep an eye on you for sure. So, what, but uh, but Reed, I'm curious. Um, you went cold turkey. You 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 start detoxing. What was that process like? You know, you, you're not having any medical supervision or anything. Um, uh, how was that? You know, I, I mean, physically it was fine. I I, okay. I mean, I was lucky, I guess. Um, physically, I didn't have any problems. I mean, mentally, I had to sit and wrestle with myself constantly, mm-hmm. uh, and wrestle with the that voice. You know, I, I I like what you said about the like negotiating with yourself about like changing drinks and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That is so <laughs> true. Um, I'm pretty open about the alcoholism, obviously, um, and on social media and stuff too. And a fair amount of people reach out and ask for like advice. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm like, do you think you're an alcoholic? And they're like, Oh, I don't know. Like, um, when you think about drinking, is there a tiny voice in the back of your head that says, uh, yeah, but what about weddings? (laughs) (laughs) I say, yeah, if that's there, then you are (laughs) green check. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean that, that was, yeah, I feel like that's a pretty solid, solid confirmation that there's this you got a you got a thing that most people don't have mm-hmm. it's not justification you know yeah I, I can justify myself into anything oh and, yeah you know and justify it to other people as well that it's going to make perfectly great sense yeah oh and addicts are such good liars <laughs> the best just the, it's <laughs> such a skill i uh, i mean it is really something and just like in the face of inco- incontrovertible evidence you know like uh-huh. uh, just bald face ridiculous lies and somehow sort of pulling it off <laughs> yeah yeah occasionally anyway mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah for sure. to yourself, like that whole process becomes like a whole nother level you know like mm-hmm. i i mean and i obviously being in recovery you don't do it as much i mean there's still times where it'll creep up and i 
I have to check myself. But, you know, in the process of active addiction, you know, lying to yourself of, okay, well, it's not that bad, you know, or I'll just have one more and then it's fine. You know, the one more lie is the biggest that we tell ourselves and Mm -hmm. it it just, you know, it's a never ending cycle for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the voice that's constantly trying to convince you to drink and drink more is uh, a difficult voice to ignore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it still exists within me, not so much for drinking. Like, I don't feel at risk to um, obviously, you know, nothing is impossible, you know, recover one day at a time, all that stuff. But um, I still feel, you know, like a compulsive. I'm a compulsive person. Um, I'm an addict personality. And mm-hmm. um, like just, you know, a couple of years ago, I think. Uh, I had kind of a, an eye-opening moment where I had a cold and I took some, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll take NyQuil. That's what you do when you have a cold. And I took a dose of NyQuil. And I was like, you know, it would probably be better if I took two. <laughs> and as, yeah. I, as, I'm, as I'm pouring that second one, I'm going, oh, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. This is still very much inside of me. And I need, I need to dump out all this NyQuil right now. Do you think part of that, like, you know, the addictive personality is like uh, what what kind of led you to finding another outlet such as podcasting and scripting these episodes? Like, oh, yeah. It, yeah. Like it, it like it's almost because uh, almost like you um, you dive into something so deep and ha- uh, finding a positive outlet like having your own podcast coming on other shows. Um, have you found that that's been able to kind of help and kind of keep your mind off of other things? I mean, it's been huge because I mean, what maybe the most shocking thing about sobriety is that it opens up a lot of time. Like you're just left with all this free time. Yeah. I, I you have mornings again and, and like clear nights and like non anxiety wracked afternoons. It's just a whole, it just opens up time. Um, and you've got to fill it. You have to. I mean, that's that's the one thing that I've seen time and again, like just with my friends that have struggled with it and people I've talked to that have struggled with it. The people that aren't successful are the people that don't figure out how to fill that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, podcasting. I knew I I knew I wanted to write. I listened to podcasts. I was like, I'll write for a podcast. That's how I'm going to fill out my time. And it's worked great. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think, you know, like you said, finding kind of that positive outlet, finding something that uh, can fill your time, especially in a productive manner. Um, If you find a hobby that you really, really like, um, that could go a long way into uh, uh, into continue to leading a kind of a successful life. I'm curious, though. to go a little bit further into this so you you know you, you detox you go cold turkey you've been sober now for for seven years that's fantastic uh so you know what, what what's kind of going on right now um we're, we're seven years later um i know you got the podcast thing going on but what else is going on in your life i mean i'm just happy you know <laughs> yeah that's i just great. feel content like you know i'm here to be a good dad uh, i love being a dad it's amazing um my relationship with my wife is fantastic life is pretty easy for me right you know in general um it it's good it's just life is good life is good i have nothing but i'm so thankful 
that I pulled out of that and um, just every day I'm just thankful because it's good life's good I'm, I'm so glad man I'm so glad you, 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 I, I can really tell in your voice you got you got a lot of passion you got a lot of energy especially around saying you know life's good right now I'm happy yeah you know I'm, yeah. I'm a dad I'm a husband you know I got you know I, I do this podcast thing I'm really passionate about that, that you know that that's a great story to hear I, I'm super glad that you were able to come out of it you know cold turkey like that and make it out okay um, uh, you know and, and being congratulations again on seven years of sobriety yeah, uh, but but as we kind of you know wrap it up, um, I was curious. Do you have any advice that you would give um, uh, to others kind of going through their own uh, addiction with alcohol? Yeah, <laughs> got a lot of stuff. Okay, uh, let's, let's go through. Well, it. well, I I would say first of all, um, I didn't go to AA when I was getting sober. Um, okay, but I did end up going to AA when uh, one of my friends was really struggling with alcohol, and I told him I would bring him. You know, I'd go to a meeting with him and it is incredible. I mean, it's just like self-sustaining community. I know it's not particularly effective percentage wise, um, but just the fact that like this thing exists of its own volition um, for so long and the meetings are just so powerful. Um, yeah. I mean, the first one I went to was this men's meeting in Fargo where, I mean, there's like 150 guys there and, um, you know, you're all sitting in a room. You see people, you know, that you didn't know were going to be there. You see people, you know, of that you wouldn't expect to be there. Um, and then you all, you all break off. We're in like a church, right? And then you all break off for small groups and you sit in these, like, you go to like a, a Sunday school room. <laughs> Yeah. And you sit on a little kid's chair with with, you know, like five other five other guys. And you listen to like old farmers um, cry while they talk about how they ruin their relationship with their kids. And that is a powerful, powerful experience. It is so humbling and worthwhile, <laughs> I think. Um, Chelsea, I. I I, I want to hear your perspective on, on AA actually. I'm yeah. Curious. Um, so I have kind of, so I, I've been sober for 10 years, so I just yeah. celebrated my 10 years sobriety. And so I Congratulations. actually, thank you. Um, so I got sober in AA. So like I was, you know, I, I, all the cliches like meeting makers don't make it. So like I was in a meeting every single day, I mean, mind you, I was 18 when I got sober. So yeah. that was another indicator, you know, a variable for me that I really didn't have a lot of principles of how to even be an adult, much less do it sober. Right. So I had never worked a legal job in my life. Like I, you know, there were just so many like basic life skills that AA gave me beyond the 12 steps. Yeah. Um, so I probably went to a meeting every single day. Um, I would say for the first like two or three years. Um, and that was kind of where I built my foundation. Um, I went off to Texas Tech University um, where they have a, basically a recovery scholarship. So it's like a whole, like students in recovery, there's about 150 of them at Tech. Um, they have their own building on campus. They stay in sober dorms. They do sober tailgates. Like it's a full ex college experience at a, you know, true university, but giving students that are in recovery a sustainable 
environment, you know, to protect the recovery essentially. That's so amazing. I would do the, you know, daily maintenance outside of meetings, you know, picking up the phone, calling my sponsor. I worked the 12 steps. I, you know, and if you look at the 12 steps, you know, and, and I've had a couple of really interesting conversations recently with Jason on this as well. Um, you know, the 12 steps, if you actually look at them, there's only one step that deals with the symptom or the substance mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we're addicted to. Um, so you go into any 12 step meeting, whether it's gamblers, anonymous, overeaters, anonymous, sex addicts, anonymous, like whatever across the spectrum, you're only dealing with one out of 12 steps that deals with the substance or as I call it, the symptom. Mm-hmm. Um, the true problem is me. I have a chemical imbalance and a disease. And so coming to terms with that took a while, you know, to fully understand that it was recognized in the scientific journals and the DSM that it was truly a disease. Um, and the fundamentals of character traits and all of that. So beyond AA, um, where I'm at kind of in my life now, um, you know, I don't regularly go to AA meetings. Um, and I, I kind of work the steps as like a daily maintenance. Like I'll check myself like, Hey, was I, you know, a bet head to somebody today? You know, do I need to go make amends to someone? Um, you know, did I lack integrity somewhere? Um, in the office or in my, you know, family relationship. So I, I'm constantly like doing a self in- inventory, right? And like that's a basic principle of AA. Um, so there's a lot of things that I've taken away from AA that have helped the fundamentals and like daily life as far as my overall problem, which is, you know, I'm an alcoholic and an addict, you know, and that comes with a lot of fun other symptoms other than the substance. Um, so it's a daily maintenance that I think the principles of AA kind of contributed to. However, like I'm, and I'm not saying at 10 years sober, like I've got it all figured out. I'm fully recovered. I fully believe that at any moment, you know, I'm not doing that daily maintenance and my addiction's working twice as hard to get me to go back out. Right. Um, but I believe that the foundation with my higher power is what is the true, uh, foundation for my recovery. And once that was established and, started to kind of develop off of, and I would say that happened in probably year four, um, as far as like a a true, like solid foundation and building off of that, that's kind of given me the tools for living, um, as well as just like a daily maintenance. And so like, for me, like my higher powers, God, like I build that relationship on a daily basis, whether I'm cussing at him, asking him for something, thanking him for something, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's where I found, like, I have the most growth change development, uh, sustainability in my recovery is when, my relationship with God is, is where it needs to be. Um, and then also, you know, the, again, there's so many principles that AA instills, you know, always remain teachable. That's still a principle I live by today. And it's also what I teach my son who's five years old as well. So a lot of these are transgressional. I always say, you know, even people that aren't alcoholics and addicts could benefit from the 12 steps because it's just a design for living yeah. uh, and being a, a decent human being. Right. So, um, the self-aware factor from AA is something that I'm probably the most grateful for because, you know, I used to talk about, you know, if someone's 
being an a-hole on the road, they can probably live the rest of their day and be totally fine and not think twice about it. If I cut someone off and I'm an a-hole to someone on the road, I'm probably going to overanalyze it the rest of the day. Yeah. Uh, you know, and how can I not be an a-hole tomorrow? Um, right. And that's just the way that my brain fundamentally works as an alcoholic and addict is my recovery is contingent on the type of person that I'm being. Um, so, I mean, again, I think AA is great. Um, I've gotten, you know, to experience AA meetings in other countries, and that's been phenomenal. I've gotten to go to the Czech Republic. I've gotten to go to meetings in uh, Scotland and Poland and, um, you know, different states as well. And so it's always really awesome to be able to connect with people where we have this like common denominator. Right. And it's, you know, it's that feeling and purpose of like, we're not alone in this. Like we get, we get drunk, you know, alone and we get sober together kind of ordeal. So I think a lot of like great, um, you know, principles that come out of AA. Um, but I know other people that have gone different routes, obviously like yourself. And I've, you know, worked in the mental health field for about seven years. So I've seen kind of a little bit of everything, um, you know, and it all works. I think really across the spectrum, the, the baseline is, you know, the principles that come out of it as far as a design for living. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I are, I feel like even without AA, um, sobriety and addiction, it's kind of a club. It's kind of like this, this like quiet club of, of right. people. Uh-huh. Um, and I mean, you just, you, you see it just uh, being online, being in, in, in social media. It's kind of like, uh, you and you and you and you and you, I know you're my sober people. Um, right. And it really feels like a club. AA just makes it feel more like that. makes it more, um, easy to grasp, I feel like, which is, I think, a, a really beneficial thing. And like you said, I think, yeah, it's more like a philosophical take on the whole thing, which right, is right. valuable, very valuable. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't continue to go because honestly, by the time I was there, I felt pretty comfortable in my sobriety. And um, I am a natural um, storyteller and collector. And I really felt like I was being a, a, a voyeur um, a lot of the times that I was there. Um, and I didn't want to be there as that. Right. So yeah. uh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't I didn't keep going. Um, but it's helped. I've, it's helped a couple of my friends uh, in, in amazing ways. And um, I would recommend at least going to a meeting and figuring out if that's your thing. Um, yeah, for sure. That, that would be my what, my first piece of advice, probably. Um, that's some very good, very sound, solid advice. I mean, it sounds like, you know, AA really helped you out, uh, Chelsea, and then helped us some of your friends read. You said you, said you had a bunch of advice, right? Um, what's, well, yeah. Have, uh, I'm just curious if you had, there's any more you I wanted. Mean, yeah, when somebody reaches out, uh, the first thing I, I say is just, you know, call yourself an alcoholic and talk about it. Yeah. Be don't be ashamed of it. Embrace it um, because it is a club, and uh, it's not a bad club to be in. Honestly, addicts are um, tend to be pretty interesting and and engaging and charismatic people. Um, not always, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I know plenty that aren't. But <laughs> um, you know, just talk about it. Be open about what's going on in your life and that you are an alcoholic. I've found that to be so helpful. 
and I've met a lot of people and people in general respond to it very positively. Especially if you, you know, if you've got a problem and you're working on it, people tend to be very forgiving. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just when you're, uh, you know, when you're a jerk and you're not doing anything about it, uh, that's when people get upset. Um, so there's that. Just be open with people outside of you and be open with yourself. Um, let go. I mean, experience all, you know, feel your feelings. But try to let go of the shame and um, embarrassment and regret as quickly as you possibly can because it is completely worthless. Um, it's beyond worthless. It's, you know, um, will work against you. Um, and um, figure out a way to fill up your time. Find out, find out something that you like to do that's going to take a lot of, of your, your time and your mental um, space. Um, because uh, you need something in there. Yeah, you got gotta ha- gotta have some kind of an outlet, right? Yeah, I, you can't ju- you can't just like <laughs> you know push everything, you know push all that alcoholism stuff and that voice and all that stuff to the side and expect you just to have nothing there because everything's gonna crumble. You know, um, it's, it's like you need supports you need like you know uh pillars in in your head um whether they're positive or negative and one of them is going to be there regardless so um fill up your time and your mental space and uh that's that's my advice in general yeah i think that's you know like i think that's incredibly good advice i think that's um uh, i think that um you have been an amazing amazing guest read Thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing Thank your you story, for man. Me. Hey, it's 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 been great, man. Like you said, you've been ener- energetic, charismatic, you know, some some, uh, <laughs> some 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 good stories, some good times in there. And I'm, I'm I really am going to go check out that podcast. I think that's going to be fun. I think I'm going to like it too. So yeah, um, I hope so. Yeah, but uh, where can everybody find you? Uh, your moment to plug all the information. Yeah, uh, Twitter is probably a good place. Exuberant okay. Pod at Exuberant Pod. Uh, Instagram at Irrationally Exuberant Podcast, something like that. Yeah, Irrationally Exuberant Podcast. <laughs> um, anywhere you get podcasts, it's available all over the place. Uh, the Irrationally Exuberant. Um, that's where you find me. I love it. Irrationally exuberant. Guys, thank you so much for uh, coming in and listening to the show. Uh, you can find us as well as the Exuberant Podcast, where all podcasts can be heard. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all of it. Uh, we'll even upload uh, this audio version of this to the YouTube channel, right? YouTube.com slash spiraling, um, where you could find us there. Um, but I think that's going to be it from, from, from both of us. Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, your insight is always great and appreciated. Uh, thank you for filling in. Uh, as our co-host, we might have to make this a regular thing. Reed, I imagine we'll have you back at some point. Um, I think Jason would like to meet you and talk to you and, and, and hear yeah. your story, too. So I think that'd be great. So thank- I, I would love to do that anytime. That would be awesome. Thanks, y'all, so much. And you guys have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Bye. Because without them,